Welcome everyone. Uh, this is Pastor Jung here at Faith Lutheran Church in Moorpark, California. And um, it's wonderful that you can uh, join us today as we continue on in our journey through the book of St. Paul's Letters to the Ephesians. And uh, this week uh, we will embark on uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 3 to 7. Only four verses this week, but uh, it should be a good one. So come join us um, as we continue to uh, dwell and dig into God's Word. Uh, get out your Bibles, right? Um, if you have the notes, uh, uh, please get those out as well. Uh, but um, yeah, I'm excited. Why don't we begin uh, with a word of prayer? Let us pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, without your help, our labor is useless. And without your light, our search is in vain. Invigorate our study of your holy word that by due diligence and right discernment, we may establish ourselves and others in your holy faith. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. All right. Yes, this is Pastor Jung here at uh, uh, Faith Lutheran Church in Moorpark, California, as we embark on the word today. Again, if you have any questions or thoughts, or you want to check out sermons from the past, um, or, or Bible studies, or catechetical studies, please go to www.faithmoorpark.com, and there you will find uh, many resources for your own faith, uh, faithful edification. That's a big word, right? Anyways, um, why don't we kick off today? All right, very good. Chapter 2, Ephesians. What is going on here? Now, <clears throat> just as we uh, spoke of last week, again, if you missed last week, please go to the YouTube page archived, and it will be there, I believe, all the way up to verse 3. Uh, but we're going to kind of start there at verse 3 again, and... Uh, here we see St. Paul doing what? We see in for, uh, verse 1. Uh, what do we see in verse 1? You are dead in your sin. You are dead in your trespasses. Uh, verse 2. That your course, as it says right there in verse 2, it says... Uh, which you once walked following the course of this cosmos, this world, following the prince of the power. Your course is of the, uh, of the world. And of course, as it says, prince, prince of the air, the devil. Um, <clears throat> verse 3, what do we see right there? If you have your Bibles out. What do we see St. Paul describing? He says... Uh, the passions among whom we all once lived in the passions of the flesh. Again, all denoting everyone, Jew and Gentile. No one can rest upon their own um, background, heritage, uh, works, moralism, self-righteousness, anything like that. But he says all. Again, this harkens back to uh, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fallen short to the glory of God. And, and we see right here uh, that uh, in verse 3, amongst all, among whom we all once lived in the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of body and mind. Right? So here we talk about flesh, 
that whole carrying out. So, so right here, as, as St. Paul is working carefully and, and very, very, what's the word? Very perfectly, of course, because this is the word of God. But we see right here that he is showing us clearly our spiritual makeup. Right? Now, why is it important to understand the spiritual makeup or the spiritual condition of the human condition? Because this makeup is rooted in what? It's rooted in the garden in the fall. So, the importance of this is what? Is because of the consequence of the fall, we are all inheritors of this reality of the human flesh. Now, how do we know about trespass? How do we know about the flesh and, and, and the carrying out that we are actually trespassing against the Lord? It is uh, given to us in the commandments, the law. The law shows us, shows our sin. And this is one of the, uh, one of the ways to which the second use of the law, the mirror of the law, the reflection, right? The diagnosis. Are showing us what is really uh, uh, plaguing us, what, what temptations we are facing, uh, how our flesh um, and our passions um, are illuminated in a sense of that contrition, that sorrow for sin, uh, for what we have done in front of God. And, and here we see uh, St. Paul really bringing out the blueprint of what they were born into, right? Dead in trespasses, your course was the world and the devil, following the prince of the air, power of the air, and all, all people, all have fallen short of the glory of God, and that is a craving the passions of the flesh, um, and he doesn't, he doesn't mince words, St. Paul. I love St. Paul, right? And I know you do, do. Anyways, uh, he says we are by nature what? Nature. Children of wrath. Through the law comes the knowledge of sin, as St. Paul says um, in the book of Romans. That because of our sinful nature that we were born into nature, right? it's just simply a part of who we are, uh, our inclination. The way we do things, right? The, 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 the natural way of man. The natural way of man. That natural way of man is right here. That, that nature, that consequence is that we are children of wrath. Now, now on one side, it really, uh, St. Paul brings down, uh, he brings, uh, you know, he demolishes, right? He demolishes any notion uh, that we can bring something to the table. This clearly shows, as he is showing the Gentile Christians right here, this is where you came from. So when you understand where you came from, you know, we all have uh, we all have names. Um, I have a name, you have a name, we all have last names, you have a last name, I have a last name, and that last name really, uh, it does show a lot about uh, who we are, our background, our family, and all these things. Now, we're talking about a background spiritually, 
St. Paul is not saying, well, you know, you're not, you're still alive in trespasses or, you know, you don't really follow the course of the world and you try your best, right? Uh, yeah, you know, the flesh and no, those are, <laughs> those are overrated, right? Uh, you know, I know, I know you mean well and I know you're a good person and yeah, you might have your flesh and your cravings um, and yeah, you're not really children of wrath because, you know, God, you know, God doesn't show any judgment or he doesn't have any wrath and, and again, that's all false, right? And St. Paul doesn't say that. He tells the truth. He shows us clearly what we are facing in our human condition, right? This is the original sin problem. It says right here in the beginning of uh, chapter 2 that you were dead, right? Um, that you uh, followed the course of the world. Um, that we once lived, verse 3, in the passions of our flesh, <clears throat> carrying out the desires of body and mind, and we're children of wrath. Um, and here uh, is where he... Uh, continues to make that switch. Now, why is it again important to understand that St. Paul demolishes? It's like a building with that ball. Boom, he just crushes any notion that we are something in ourselves, as if we can bring something to the table. Why does he do that? Because here in the next position, in verse, as we continue on today in verse 4, it says, um, Paul writes, But God... Rich in mercy, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Romans 5, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Right? Uh, we turn to First Peter, and, and again... We, we see this looming, uh, this looming darkness that we were born into. But yet now, St. Paul, kind of that pendulum shifts from the law, right? The pendulum, boom, 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 like this, to the gospel, right? Even though, as it says in verse 5, we were dead in our trespasses, <clears throat> loves to bring out the conjunction. It's this moment of great reversal. But, like, all this has happened, but, right? It's like, red light, stop. This is what's going to happen next. The, the reversal is going to happen. The blessed, the great exchange uh, uh, that Jesus takes upon our sin and he charges to us our sin and every righteousness, and he charges to us his righteousness, his blood, and he covers us by his promise. And here, through it all, it's that stop, this is the path you are on, but by the word of God, but, right? Being, God being rich in mercy. That mercy comes in, the Elias, right? This mercy uh, that shows us who attribute-wise who our God is. Right? Verse 5. What does it say? By grace. Who our God is. He is merciful. He is just. He is omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. 
He is love. But here, God is merciful. God is full of grace. Now, why is this important? Understanding where we come from will thoroughly show us clearly that when that anvil is dropped upon us, that anvil of the law as it accuses, as it shows, and truly crushes us from any notion that we can bring something to the table, it is our Lord who comes to us by his mercy, by his grace, by sending us his son, Jesus Christ. See, for the Gentile Christians, you know, and for us too, we still face... We still face this temptation every single day, right? Um, there is that life of repentance, of course. There is that life as the law is written on our hearts. Of course, we know that. But we still face the battle, the assault of the devil. He is always poking and prodding and, 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 and trying to find a different way, circumventing and, and, you know, any loophole, any crease, the devil is going. But what the difference is now is that we live in the mercy and grace of God. That we live as new creations, restored by the blood of Christ, through the mercy of God, through His grace. Um, And there, through the sending of the Son, uh, we are forgiven of our sins um, as the cross and the empty tomb um, is uh, the deliverance to which is God's sacrifice Uh, but also uh, the atonement for our sins, and and there, by the grace of God, by His mercy, through the sending of the Son, Jesus Christ, to man, we are are saved, right? Um, Yes, oh, quick note here. Uh, When we talk talk about the difference, like, okay, Pastor, I, what, I, uh, I know what you're talking about here, but I still face the temptations. And, and the difference now is this, that yes, we still face that temptation. We still face the spiritual battle that is before us. But this was uh, a picture of someone who was uh, persisting in sin. And that means someone who just kind of follows the passion, follows the flesh, and, and appeases that flesh with no type of contrition, no type of sorrow, uh, uh, no type of penance, no uh, degree of, of, or no, no repentance at all, right? Just kind of lived off the flesh, lived off the passions of, of their own nature, as, um, as we call it right here, um, their, no, their own nature in the spiritual darkness, right? But now for us, uh, through the law of God, we are shown our sin, we are crushed, humbled, and thereby his mercy and grace, as we say, Kyrie Eleazar, right? Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. We, we say these very words in the liturgy because what? Because we very well know that it's by, it's because he is merciful, shown to us through the sending of his son, that we are indeed forgiven of our sins. Right? We are forgiven of our sins. That doesn't mean that we're perfect. Being a Christian means um, to be the redeemed, and that is to be the sinner that was redeemed. Um, That is to be broken, and that is to be mended uh, by our Lord's uh, body and blood on the cross. Um, Being Christian uh, uh, is trusting in the free gift of God, not deserved or merited, 
But only by the merits of Christ on the cross are we rescued and saved from the grip of hell, Satan, uh, the flesh, and the world. And there we, in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the true picture of grace, the incarnation, the enfleshment of our Lord, that there we very well know that he came in his active, obedient life to be perfect, uh, to be the all-availing sacrifice, to be the perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Calvary, the cross, three days later, the empty tomb. And uh, this, is, uh, this is the picture um, of what St. Paul is talking about here. It says right there, uh, rich in mercy, right? Not with silver or gold, right? Not with silver or gold, but what does it say in the Catechism? A second article, a creed, but by the uh, precious body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. His mercy is shown to us through the merciful Son. The one who has great compassion, we see that compassion where? Um, we see it as Jesus wept, right? Mary, Martha, only if you were here earlier, our brother wouldn't have died, Lazarus, right? Compassion. He shows compassion on the helpless. Why? Because this is what mercy is. He, should, he is merciful to us. We, we say those words, Lord, have mercy because we need his compassion, because we need to be made alive. We need to be made forgiven. And that is not of ourselves. Right? Complete trust in the action of God as he is working for you and me. And that is salvation. All right. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, right? Made us alive together with Christ. With Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Even in the midst of our trespasses, God gives us life. In the midst of all this, God intervenes and is the Savior of the world for our sin. He takes it all upon himself, our very sin, to be sin for us, and to take those sins upon the cross, to wash them all away. By grace, you have been saved. The action is shown here. The activity is given grace. This is how we are saved. So, if it's not by the grace of God, we have a different salvation. Make sense? Um, if you think about it, and you wonder how or if you have the right standing with God, and your answer is about what you have done for that justifying act that would give you peace in your conscience, that you have done something to save yourself, that's a different, that's not grace anymore, is it? Because grace is that undeserved, unmerited gift. Once we start earning, once we start gaining salvation, there the grace of God goes, there the cross goes, there the, the empty tomb grows, and before that, there the incarnation goes, as if it's no importance at all, because we tell ourselves we can do the work, but when in fact, what does St. Paul do at the beginning? He shows us the very blueprint, right, of who we are in this spiritual DNA. 
dead in trespass, who followed the course of the world and the devil. Flesh, we carried out the flesh as we are by nature children of wrath. Right? Um, but even when, even when, that conjunction, but, but then now here, uh, right there, um, in verse, um, in verse, <laughs> in verse four, uh, we definitely see, or verse five, we see, uh, even when we were dead in our trespasses. So even with that, um, God has saved us by his grace. Some very good gospel stuff here. Um, you look at uh, another form of God's compassion. Matthew 9, 27. Matthew 15, 22. Matthew 17, 15. Mark 10, 47 to 48. Luke 17. Uh, here we see clearly Jesus hearing the words, Lord have mercy, heals the two blind men. Matthew 15. Uh, we very well know the story of uh, uh, the faith of the Canaanite woman. Her daughter was oppressed and, and she says even, uh, even the dogs need to eat off the crumb of the master's table. Heals the daughter. Right. Uh, Matthew 17, again, we see another story about a, a boy who was demon-possessed. Healed the demon-possessed boy, right? Sorry, I saw that. <laughs> Mark 10, 47 to 48. Uh, here we see blind Bartimaeus being healed. Again, what is uh, heal blind? Heal Luke 17, uh, heal the leper. And what's a common phrase that we see out, uh, out of it all is, Lord have mercy, right? All these are irreversible realities and afflictions in their life. Irreversible. This, by our own, no one could just figure out how to see. No one can cast out their own demons. No one can just clean off their skin from leprosy. Right? It's by the Lord's word that they are healed, which points to a greater healing, a greater irreversible curse that it seemed to be until the grace of God came. And that is our Lord who takes upon that seemingly irreversible curse of our sin and death and the power of the devil. And he brings us the remedy, the great healing that, that flowed from the cross, that remedy that just outpoured onto us uh, by his blood that washes away all our sins. And three days later, of course, the resurrection, uh, the conquering over the grave and, and the gift of eternal life, right? So we see right here, uh, clearly, uh, the great exchange, the great reversal, the upside down. Jesus comes to the world to turn this world upside down because he is, again, God who is rich in mercy, bountiful, abundant, steadfast love, right? Uh, Exodus 34, 6, I believe. Yes. And, and we very well know that this is who our God is. Are we perfect? No. Do we fall short in sin? Yes. Do we struggle with sin? Of course we do. Do we repent in faith? Yes, we do. 
not a work, but the faithful call to repentance. And where do we go from there? We rest in the forgiveness of Christ. Right? That's a big difference than the life that they once had. Just a free-for-all, do whatever I want. No consequences, no contrition, no sorrow. Just live as I plead, proud as I am. I'm going to live in my flesh because me, myself, and I is my greatest God in my life. You know, when we come to the faith, it's not always, uh, it's not always sunshine and rainbows, right? When we enter into the Christian faith, there we enter into the spiritual battle of the flesh, of the world. We are, we are opening our eyes to what we are really facing according to the law that shows us our sin. But yet at the same time, we have the great comfort in the midst of our, in that call to repentance, just as St. John did, just as Jesus did, and just as we do today in Luke 24 as the church preaches repentance and forgiveness, we speak the truth, right? We, we speak the truth about the law, but also we speak the truth in the pardon that God gives through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is what St. Paul is showing the Ephesians. You see that progression. Verses 1 to 3, the law. Now he is switching over. The pendulum is shifting over to that gospel. By grace you have been, uh, that sozo, that, uh, that, that being saved, right? And now, uh, verse 6. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Right? So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So, as we look at all this from the law, from the law, ooh, blue, to the gospel, and, and now we see the results of that, right? Uh, in verse uh, six and seven, uh, that and he raised us up. He a guy wrote us, right? He raised us up. Now, what does that mean? He, I mean, we're still here, right? Me and you, like I'm here, you're through that screen, and and we're still here physically, right? We're still in the flesh, but we still have a heartbeat. But what does it mean? He raised us up, and this is a direct picture of a gospel-centered gift, and that is of holy baptism. Remember Romans 6. We, we, uh, we see St. Paul writing about uh, when we are baptized into Christ, uh, we are baptized um, into his death. And just like it is a death like his, we also are raised with him. All the way in a resurrection like his to the newness of life. Raised. Right? Because of the resurrection of Christ, we too are raised. Resurrection is very important, as I always say. And it's in that resurrection that uh, we too are raised from the fruits of the resurrection, from the fruits of the cross. We see the gift, the means of grace, holy baptism, where there we are connected by name to our Lord. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, as it says right there, right? Uh, in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, baptizing and teachings, making disciples through those very uh, means. And uh, here we see a baptism. Uh, here we see a baptism connected to the raising us up with him, right? It's this 
just as we see Jesus in the exaltation, uh, uh, what is he doing? He is descending into hell, third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. Right? It is in that exaltation where we too are connected and we too have a what? It says right there. That we are raised up with him. That we are connected to Christ. That in our new creation we are raised with him. That should be, these are words of great gospel, of great comfort, of great peace. Knowing that we are in Christ. How? By his work. Right? We're not, we're not, we're not dwelling on soft platitudes uh, such as, well, you know, I feel like God is in me. I feel like God is there. I feel, I just feel it. Uh, but I always, you know, people always say, well, what about those days when you don't feel it? Is God there? Or when you're having a bad day, is God there? And the answer is yes. He's always with us because his word says so. But also because when we talk about the reality of what he has given to us in our baptism, there too we are connected and raised up. And what? What is the next uh, uh, picture there of, of who we are in this victorious resurrection of what God has given to us in the word and sacrament? That we are seated and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Yeah, a picture of a um, ooh, and hopefully you got all this right here because uh, yeah, you know. And hopefully I'm not. Uh, you know how my messy whiteboards look that's how my mind is so all over the place but hopefully it brought some clarity to you uh to the scriptures but here we're going to close we're almost done here i know it's a shorter one today but here we're going to close uh with uh with the seat not an h that's a seat um, here we see the seat. Now, what is this seat? You are seated, right? Us, and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Um, restoration in Christ. Remember where we came from. And now we have a seat at his table. You know, when you, when you, you know, when you have Thanksgiving together pre-COVID, you know, you always, uh, uh, what, what do you do? You, you always uh, uh, gather around at the table and take a seat, right? Um, usually maybe the kids might have their kids table, but all in all, you're all together, seated together, because you have that fellowship, you have that oneness, you're all under one name, right? Especially at a family gathering. Um, and you're all seated together, right? You're not, you're not eating by yourself in your room. Like no one just scatters their room and just eats by the, the they don't eat their Thanksgiving dinner um, by themselves, right? Nor do they do that on a regular basis um, at dinner, right? People always come together and take a seat together and they eat their meal. Right? Um, 
And this is a picture I think that we see uh, with being uh, seated at the right hand of God or seating, being seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Uh, this is a picture of that new life. When? Right now. That seat was provided for you as our Lord took upon himself and he, and he went to shed, uh, he went to the cross to shed his body of blood to, to inherit, to give you this very gift of your identity. Your identity in the now, right now, is that you are, you, yes you, whoever is listening, you are the Holy One, sanctified, By our Lord, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Your identity is in the redemption. For the redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Bought and paid for, bought with a price, and that is the Lord's blood. There you are forgiven of your sins. Your identity is of what? eternal life. That by his resurrection, your faith is no longer, or your faith isn't futile. You're, you are still not in your sins, right? But God has forgiven you of all of them, all by his resurrection, giving you eternal life. But to all those who received him, those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become what? The children of God. That right now, your identity is one of great victory. In who? In Christ. First Corinthians 15. Death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Christ conquered death for you. I know this is very, uh, this is very comforting as we face the days ahead because I very well know how difficult this year has been. Um, how, how much you all have been facing in your situations in life. But through it all, there is the Word of God who, who points us to the aora, right? The now. The right now, this is who we are. How do we know? Because God is rich in mercy, full of grace. That within um, our dead and our trespasses, he makes us alive. It's as if he's saying, Lazarus, come out. And there he came out. Right? He is risen. He is not here. As Mary went to the of Jesus. And yeah, <laughs> we are made alive all by what he has done for us. And this is who we are, the nutshell. The gospel, right? That we are righteous. That we are blameless.
Christ died for his bride, the church, presenting her in all, what is it, majesty and splendor, right? Holy and blameless, spotless, covered by the blood of Christ. This is your exaltation in a sense where now you are connected to the promise of Christ, the very gospel that he gives. And this is what we shall be anticipating, or not shall be, but are anticipating for what is to come. Right? We're, we're, not, we're not wondering if it will come, but it shall come. But right now, we live in the victory of Christ. Yes, do we still face struggle? Do we still face the sorrow and grief and the burdens and the, the, the tentatio uh, of this life? Of course we do, right? But there as we rest on the Lord's promises in the midst of our terrified conscience, there we are at peace with a good conscience because His blood answers all things. Our baptism assures us and seals us of all things. The supper that you take on Sunday, which I encourage you wherever you may be to come to the supper, eat, right? Because there you're receiving the gifts as God is working on you, giving you the body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, the sustaining of the one true faith that points you to the action of Christ and his grace for you as God is our greatest server, right? He is serving us in our pilgrimage of faith in the now. Because that seat points to our citizenship. We all come from different places, right? I, I come from, uh, my parents come from South Korea. Um, they immigrated here. And uh, I'm Korean by blood, but I was born here. And my citizenship is as a U.S. citizen, right? It shows us where we belong, where we live, where we are from. And this seat even more shows us who we are, <laughs> where we are from, and where we are going. Right? That we have a seat at the table. Surrounding the throne of God, there we will be. And now we live in the victory of Christ, right now. In this day, as our flesh is wasting away, what does St. Paul say? We are inwardly being renewed day by day. And that is by the very word of God, as he shows, uh, uh, St. Paul shows us clearly, from the law to the gospel, from the convicting of us in our sin, the comforting us of our gift of Jesus Christ, gift of the sacraments, but also the, the, uh, the reality of the new life to which we live right now, all by what God has given to us. The pastor, my life is difficult. I know. I totally get it. But pastor, I don't know. I just can't get through. I just can't get through it. I struggle, I'm guilty, I'm full of shame, I'm inadequate in front of God, I can't, I get it. But remember this word that St. Paul gives it to us today. God is rich in mercy, 
by grace we are saved. Shame, sin, all of it Jesus takes upon himself. The sorrow, Isaiah 53, he bears that sorrow, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And now we live in the restorative reality that is Christ. The new life. How? Remember, closing point. The root is grace. Where does that grace come from? God. How does he show this grace to us? Jesus. Incarnation. From the offspring of the woman will come the Savior of the world. And this is why we are who we are. The redeemed, the sanctified, the forgiven, the conquering over death. That our seats, children of God, John Woodwell. That we are righteous and blameless. Not because of what we have done, but by his blood that cleanses us and presents us to the Lord with splendor and majesty. All right. You know, I had notes, but I really didn't read them. <laughs> you know how it goes, right? But remember, at the end of the day, as we look at verses 5, 6, and 7, clearly we see nothing about you or me. It's all about being in Christ. And that in begins here in the incarnation. Riches of God's mercy. Word made flesh. Jesus Christ. All right, if you have any questions, please let me know. Thank you for joining us today. And um, why, don't we, uh, why don't we close uh, with a word of prayer. In one voice, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. All right. Thank you for joining me this day, and I hope this word may go well with you. And again, uh, if you have any questions, please go over the video again. Uh, if you have more questions, please email me. You know where to find me. Um, or um, if you are from our church, anytime, I'm here for you. Love you all, praying for you all. And um, um, I pray that um, all is well with you this day. But remember, by grace, you are saved. Amen. All right. Have a wonderful day. May God bless you and may he lead you always through his bountiful gift, and that is his enduring word that lasts forever. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmorepark.com.